Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Jason McKnight and I'm joined by Ben Hendricks here in the studio. And we are now in the last week of our beginning of 2022 series on the four books that run our lives. The checkbook, the date book, the good book, and the phone book. So we've done finances, we've done date book, time and schedules, we've done good book, our relationship with God. And now Ben is going to really lead us through today a little bit on the phone book, on our relationships. Now, before I let you loose, Ben, <laughs> I hope everybody you found this helpful so far. They've been really good for us. We're actually living better than we were a little yeah. while ago. No, I'm kidding. But they're just good. They're good to help, you know, do an audit at the beginning of the year, take stock of what's going on. So today what we're going to look at is um, our relationships. And we're going to do this in three parts. Ben is going to give us a great framework to consider our relationships from spouse to stranger and everything in between. Then just briefly, we'll talk about how we can cultivate good ones. So just a couple of uh, simple, practical things on cultivating good relationships. And then finally, we'll troubleshoot a little bit. So that's where we're going today. Ben, start off. Yeah, so I think the, right at the beginning, we have to kind of ask the question of why relationships. We've talked about checkbook, we've talked about daybook and the good book. So our finances, uh, our time, and then the Lord. Like, of course, we talk about those. But of all the other things that we could talk about, why relationships? And so I, I think we need to right out of the gate understand that relationships really are the primary motivator and director for all of us. Hmm. Like, whether it is your family, whether it's your friends, your coworkers, or just the neighbor that maybe you talk to a lot or maybe you don't relationships are one of the most influential places in our lives. Mm. They influence our decisions. They change our perspective. They affect our attitude. And they're often wells of encouragement or discouragement. Like the simple word from a friend or the simple word from an enemy that may tear you down. They're wells of encouragement or discouragement. And I think relationships really are the rudder of your life. Hmm. Where your relationships go, so your will, your life. So we That's see this ideal all over scripture. So in Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. If you walk with wise people, guess what? You'll start to at least act wise and look a little wise. But if your companions are fools, you suffer harm. And for 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals, the same idea. And then Psalm 1, 1 to 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Hmm. Where you spend your time, the people you spend your time with, those things matter because they influence us. The very simple truth that the people we surround ourselves with influences the direction of our life, the choices we make, and even our wants and desires because relationships are the rudder of your life. So the question then just becomes, where are your relationships leading you? Mm. And I think this is a paramount question because the stakes of relationships really are just so high that I'm not sure we always see them that way either. That, you know, coworkers, they, they come and go. Friends are interchangeable even at times. Neighbors and our fellow churchgoers are just passerbys, right? Maybe not. <laughs> For most of us, relationships are numerous. We have them at home, we have them at work, we have them at church and online, friends, families, coworkers, neighbors, and on, all of which need to be handled 
if we're honest, a bit differently because each one has its own stakes. Some have their own benefits and they all have different relational capacities because every relationship differs in the amount of commitment and intimacy they have. And so when I say intimacy there, because we're about to spend some time there, we need to make sure we understand that word. Because again, we're going to focus on these two words, commitment and intimacy. Commitment, we are all comfortable with. The mm -hmm. word intimacy, I think we can fear a little bit, right? Because right. what does your mind jump to when you hear intimacy? Well, you think of marital intimacy. Yeah, absolutely. So. But Well, the, I'm always thinking of that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the idea <laughs> of intimacy in relationships is so much bigger than that. Right. It's, it, it's not just that. And we can't just limit our viewpoint to to just think of marriage or marriage intimacy but we need to think of things like vulnerability and mm -hmm, openness mm -hmm. and just the, the amount of time that you're willing to spend with somebody the joy you have when you're around them intimacy is a big thing and so it's a lot more than that and so yeah, here here's yeah. what i think we That's need good. to do is to kind of understand how we're spending our time and who we're spending our time with and to help us just in this new year kind of allocate our resources of time hmm. in, in really good relationships and, and, and kind of take an audit of where we might be spending them now. I, uh, I you know, as a, someone in science and a math a long time ago, I, it helps me to graph these things out. And so if right now you're listening to this and you're like, graph this out, what? Bear with me. But here. you're speaking my love language because okay. when you, you talk a chart, chart I'm, I'm all <laughs> there, baby. I'm all there. And so I, I'll try to give, uh, I'll try to paint a picture of this. And so if, if, if you're just, if you're listening, think of back to grade school of an XY graph. And so that's that horizontal line that meets with a vertical line. That horizontal is mm -hmm. the X mm -hmm. axis, the vertical is the Y. It makes like a big plus sign, right? That was grade school for you? I feel like it was 11th grade for me. Well, I, I went to a very <laughs> high level school. Okay, so, so horizontal is X, vertical is Y. Yep, and so on this graph, the X axis is intimacy. Okay, intimacy. Yep. So the further right you go on this line, the higher the intimacy. The further okay. left you go, the lower. The lower. Okay. Intimacy in this larger sense of, yep. of ease and vulnerability and, and relatability, mutuality. Okay. Yep. And then on the vertical line is commitment. Mm. So the higher up you go, more commitment. the more commitment. The lower you go. See, this one makes sense for sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> So on this graph, we, what we'll notice is in that right quadrant is the high intimacy, high commitment. So top right quadrant. Top right. Yeah, so I'm then you have bottom high. right, which is the high intimacy, low commitment. Wow. And then you have the bottom left, so low and low. Low, low intimacy, intimacy, low commitment. commitment. And then that top left, low intimacy, high commitment. Keep tracking with me here. Whew. Okay, we're doing it. We're doing it. So why I think it's this is for so thinking helpful. Christians? Yeah, amen. You got to think hard today. Oh, man. No, <laughs> a little man. math. This is why when all my students talk about, well, I don't have to learn this math thing. I'll never use it. We're using it today. We're using it today. Okay. So let's use some examples just to help yeah, kind of that's it. figure out why I actually think this is helpful for us. Yep. So we have all these different relationships in our lives. So mm -hmm. most of us, a lot of us are married. So your spouse, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you're going to graph them. Well, that's true. This, that's a good point. Where do they fit? So, honey, honey let me graph you. Yeah. This is Valentine's Day coming up. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe don't send them this one. So for most of us, the ideal, I think, for where God has us and where he wants for us for our spouses is that they are in the highest level of commitment and intimacy in our lives. Yes. 
that we have a level of openness. And so we're not just talking mm-hmm. about like sexuality here. We're talking about no, no. just openness, yeah. joy, vulnerability, deep all of that, that deep yeah. relationship, yeah. that intimacy factor. But they're also highly committed because guess what? You married them. You mm-hmm. made vows and commitments that day. Okay, so for for us, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of like that 10, 10, that high and that sure. top right corner. Yeah, uh, and that, that's easy, like a spouse. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then let's move to maybe a parent. Mm. So you see, for most of us, like we we have a good relationship with our parents, I think. And but or if so, you do, let's yeah, assume if you do, we do. Yeah. And so we have a, a higher level of commitment, a higher level of intimacy that we can be open with them, we can be honest with them. Uh, and you're very committed to them because that's mom and dad, right? And so it's not the level of a spouse. And so they might be in that kind of middle of that top right, mm-hmm. kind of that if you're graphing it out to 10 to 10, it's kind of that 6-6, six, six, right? They're in the middle of that top right quadrant. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you do with a tough sibling? Yeah, uh, like I don't a, have like, any of these. You don't so, have any? No, okay. Uh, no. But <laughs> I, I got, I, my, listen, I'm one of six kids, so uh, <laughs> one of us is a tough sibling. So I would put them... Uh, I think it's me. Okay. You, <laughs> this is where they're graphing you. So yeah. my sister would probably graph me here. And that... Uh, that left quadrant, that top left one, top left, which is so the low high commitment, high commitment, low, low intimacy. intimacy. Okay, keep and so talking. that's the difficult sibling because guess what? That's your sibling. That's your brother, or your sister, and so that's family. You're still committed to them. Yeah. But maybe because things are a little strange, maybe things are hard. Mm-hmm. Maybe you haven't talked in a while. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. see things eye to eye. That the intimacy is a little lower. You don't have the conversation maybe you once had. Right. You're not spending the time with them that you once did. Mm-hmm. The intimacy drops a little bit. So yeah. you're not that close, but you're still family. Yep. So high commitment, you're still family, but you're not that close in in an ongoing now sense. So your intimacy is lower. Yeah. I, I think, got it. Yeah, I think okay. we have a lot of that. That's a great way to put it. It makes too. sense. Okay, how about uh, this is where Jason, you would put me, the coworker you really, really like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so there that for, for us because because you know we've become great friends, or maybe the yeah, coworker yeah. that you really like, like the intimacy is actually fairly higher. <laughs> ben, you're not sure now. I know, right? I'm, I'm jumping. No, back. the coworker you like, which I like yeah. all our staff. Our it's yeah, a yeah. great staff team, but some more than others, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, me, just so everyone knows. Okay, so up the intimacy route. That's uh, so towards the right of our mm-hmm. graph, right? Mm-hmm. So the enemy is higher because you like this person, you're friends. You may, you probably shared some story. You may even shared some some difficult stuff. You go out for like for for dinner. You hang out with them, right? The intimacy is higher, but it's just a job. Mm-hmm. And that relationship is mostly based on that job. Maybe it does move into something more and into a deeper friendship, and that can move up into a different quadrant. But for most of us, the second you leave that job, that relationship probably ends, mm-hmm. or it can. And so the commitment on that's a little bit lower. And so that kind of falls into that bottom right corner. But, well, hot, but close to the line. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. Okay, what do you do with, uh, so, like, the annoying coworker? So this is where Austin Gannon <laughs> no, put me for a long time. Right. Uh, when was he was coming. here, we, and I would just kind of constantly poke at him and try to make everything a competition. Mm-hmm. For him, he put me, the annoying coworker, in the very bottom left. That <laughs> low, low intimacy, low commitment. Low intimacy <laughs> category. He didn't care about you. <laughs> and so, fortunately, by the grace of the Lord, uh, he's, I think he's moved me out of that category now, but you know, for a lot of us, we have those kind of people that maybe we work with or the person we just, we don't, we don't have much affection for them, the, the low right. intimacy. And you're not opening and, yourself to them. Yeah. Get the job done. But. And so I, I think if we're honest, we all have people who fit in. This is kind of that stranger category. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. for everybody to hear this, it's not bad that you have people in this. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make you a bad person or doesn't make them a bad person if they're in this. This just means like, 
they might just be a stranger to you. We That's have tons of people that fit in this category. And again, it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. Okay, so a couple more, two more. Related. So what, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and these are fairly easy, like your best friend. Mm-hmm. That one's pretty be easy because high. that's in that top right again, that yeah. high and high, because that's a person you have high intimacy. You're willing to share. You're willing to be open with them. And you're also committed. And you're mm-hmm. willing to, if th- if they kind of change their motive, they look, they move somewhere, you're willing to kind of figure out how to make this work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how about this one? This was a lot of us as uh, parents, uh, and I'm not in the season yet, but a lot of us are who have kids who maybe they go to dance, maybe they go to sports, whatever it is, uh, that you have a friend just from your kid's event, right? They maybe it's dance and you know, you're a dad and you kind of check out for just a second. You become friends with another dad. Great. Well, that, that, that's gone up the intimacy route a little bit, right? Because, Mm -hmm. Hey, we like each other. But what happens when your, your son quits that sport team or he's done? What happens when your daughter quits dance or whatever it is, right? Right. Usually that friendship doesn't survive that because the, the main relational capacity there was that event. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of low commitment, pretty low commitment there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and if someone moves and on and on, like high or fairly okay. high intimacy, low commitment. Does this make sense? Yeah. So, so... <laughs> So what, like, am I supposed to try, is the goal of this for me to get all of my relationships in the top right? No, absolutely not. Okay. All right. So, so t- tell us where it's helping me. Well, cause this I, is really good. I like, I like here, of course I love a chart. So I, I think this benefits us one because it, it helps us understand where our relationships are right now mm-hmm. and that it helps us also go, well, maybe we have some relationships that should be in categories and they're not mm. like maybe right now some of our listeners are finding that they have a spouse who isn't in that top right. Right. Maybe. Maybe your spouse, maybe it was because of a, something hurtful that they've said and the intimacy has dropped considerably or that there, there's just been some marital woes and issues and the commitment has dropped considerably. That maybe we have certain people who are in categories that they maybe shouldn't be. But also it helps us understand how, where to spend our time and mm-hmm. to where to focus on our relationships. Mm-hmm. We naturally... And probably in a healthy sense, you're going to have relationships that are in all of these categories. Like, it's right. again, it's okay to have people in the bottom left and that low commitment, low intimacy. But we need to focus and spend the majority of our time on people who are in that top right. So if we're looking at our lives and we're seeing that we're spending the mass amount of our time with people who are in that low left, the low intimacy, low commitment, we need to adjust the way that we're spending our time and the way that we're using our relationships or relational resources and to kind of focus those more on the people who are in those top right. Like, so it's easy to, for a spouse to slide out of that top right when we're focusing all on our annoying coworker at work. Mm-hmm. We're having to spend so much time figuring mm-hmm. out these things that are low intimacy, low commitment. And how easy is it for those people in that top right, that best friend who you kind of just grow away or grow apart from, mm-hmm. or the spouse, or maybe even a parent mm-hmm. or a kid? Yep. It's really easy to do that. So here's the next question is, where, where do we put the body of Christ? Where do we put our church? Mm, that's a good question. And I think, uh, and we're probably going, maybe as you're listening to this, you're going through some names and some... And, Your house church. And, yeah. And mm-hmm. so th- to kind of free everybody is you, you, you can't just simply put, oh, my church family goes here. Right. Because the church is made up of all kinds of different people. And different of, relationships. Of all different levels of relationship. Mm-hmm. They're going to fit into a lot of these. Now, you know, w- the truth is we are going to have some people who are a little bit low commitment, low intimacy in our church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the hope is that we can... Because you only have so much bandwidth. Absolutely. And so to focus and to spend as much time as we can with the people who are in the top right. And so a lot of those people are 
people in your house church mm-hmm. or in your small group mm-hmm. that you know are part of that inner circle that you're doing life with. Mm-hmm. Like we, that's where we need to be spending a lot of our time. That's good. So that's it feels great. great to always put our whole church up there, but the truth is we're not always going to do that. And and I think that's important. I think some people uh, can come to a church with expectations that they will have deep friendships from everyone, but that's just not true. Like yeah. I, I hear that every once in a while, and I don't hear it as much from people who who land and plug in at Grace. But every once in a while, with new people, like they're just longing for the depth of friendships from the whole church, or they're they're scandalized because they've been hurt by someone at church. And I'm like, I don't think you should be scandalized. Everybody's a bunch of sinners. Yeah, <laughs> like Amen. we're still working this out. Um, but if your if your goal is that everyone's going to be high intimacy, high commitment, it's almost not realistic. Yep. And so if you're listening to this and you can think, and, and I, I would understand this, this can feel a little wooden and a little cold because we're trying to graph relationships. The idea is not that like this is the most important thing. It's just simply a tool to help us kind of take an audit and take a look at mm-hmm. wh- where our relationships are, where we're spending our time. And, and here's the kicker. So that we can protect our most important relationships and keep the lesser ones, and not lesser as if they're lesser, but the ones that don't matter, that don't influences impact us as much in check a little bit more because mm-hmm. that bottom left can really start moving its way mm-hmm. and taking over a lot of time mm-hmm. and and guilt can drive us yep yeah no that's really good so how do we jason how how then how uh how do we start cultivating our good relationships right so if we're if we're saying all right here's here's my map of them all yeah and let's think of these and these uh let's make sure that we're leaning into those that we need to lean into and res- and open to gifts from the Lord. Like we're not shutting anything out. I mean, the Lord can do anything in any quadrant. Yeah. But um, what do we do? I, I would think, so away from the quadrant and into all of life, but what does it take? What does a good relationship take? I, I'm going to give us three words and we're just going to riff on each of the three words for a couple of minutes each. But number one is good relationships take effort like nobody drifts into deep friendships nobody drifts into a true working partnership nobody just coasts into uh, a family with zero dysfunction (laughs) like because we're all dysfunctional if there's a family that really relates well it's because there's been effort involved we have to put the time in the energy the willingness the sacrifice and everything takes effort um when you spend time together, when you work things out for all involved, when you lean into the misunderstandings, when you apologize and ask forgiveness, every one of those statements takes effort. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, that's how good relationships happen. Yeah. Hard work is the other word. We like to live by grace, but actually, you know, in the cultivating of your friendship with me and our working partnership, we have to have some hard conversations and spend some time and um, submit to each other. And it's just fantastic, but it takes hard work because none of us gets what we all want. Um, okay, so hard work is, is maybe the first thing to remember. Um, you know, every good marriage isn't good because they share the same roof or the same table or the same bed or the same name. It's good because they work hard at relating well. Yeah. Effort. Second word of the three that we'll just riff on for a second for good relationships is this idea of goodwill, where we extend to the other person the benefit of the doubt. 
<clears throat> I mean, that's just a big deal. <laughs> Maybe it's only a big deal for me, but yeah. I like to pretend that everyone should act the way I want them to act at all times. And people don't always do everything I think they should do, even though they don't know I think they should do it. You know, but it just feels like if I would take a deep breath and say, well, maybe there's something going on I don't know about. Um, it's going to make everything different. I'm, I'm going to assume the best of that person. I'm not going to box them in. Uh, there may be something that I don't know. And here's the problem. As friends and as family and as coworkers, we do have a history together. And so let's say, yeah. you know, a friend is generally late. It's just who they are. <laughs> Like, let's just say, you know, we all know friend X and friend X is generally late um, and we're going to see a movie. They're going to pick me up for the movie and they're 20 minutes late, you know, and they didn't text. And it's like, they don't even care about me. They're just, it's so frustrating. Like they're so always by the seat of their pants and they're trying to do too many things and blah, blah, blah. And here's me standing in, you know, in my living room. And, um, well, it turns out their phone died and they had a flat tire. Yeah. <laughs> like it turns like, you know, and, and well, of course it's their fault. They should, you know, no, I mean, just, just give a little benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, and, and meanwhile, they're coming in late and, and they know that we're now late for the movie. Do they need you stewing as you get in the car? Does that help the friendship? Hmm. Like, honestly, sometimes when we just take a breath and say, well, Lord, I know you love them. Help me love them like you do. Let me extend goodwill. Let me not try to judge everything before I know everything. Uh, that will save a lot of trauma and will, en will en enhance a lot of our relationships. Okay, effort, goodwill. And the second and the, the third one, rather, is uh, this idea that every good relationship not only takes effort, not only takes a posture of goodwill, but it also takes grace. I don't know how somebody should do a count of all our podcasts called Encounter Grace and see how many times we use grace as one of the things that is the way to live because this is, I mean, without grace, you know, we're just done. But grace in a relationship means we know that things are going to go wrong. It accounts for our humanness, it accounts for our fallenness. Mm -hmm. And grace is the elasticity in our relationship that allows for the failures and the hurts and the fallenness. It's the release valve when there's wrong or anger. So grace on the one hand is overlooking the error or erasing the debt or forgiving the sin. Grace is a covenant word, not a contract word. You know, contract says you do your part, I'll do mine or else it's over. And a covenant is we're in this together in this relationship and nothing can break it. Mm. You know, and, and nothing can break it. I don't mean that to the nth degree, but in our, in our general how we do life. So grace is forgiving someone when they've wronged you. And honestly, it's the way out for the person who has been wronged and the person who is doing the wronging. And it's the only way to build back a relationship is forgiving you. Because you can't, like, like the only way out for the person who did the wrong is to ask forgiveness. You cannot unsay a mean word. You can't untell a lie. You simply have to ask forgiveness. And grace uh, is the way out for the person who's been wronged mm. because grace means they're forgiving, they're releasing, relinquishing that resentment and, and releasing the debt. So 
Grace, I think, is one of the most important things in a relationship. Uh, yeah. Effort, goodwill, and grace. As we think at the beginning of the year of each of our relationships, no matter what the quadrant, man, they are going to take effort, especially the high intimacy, high commitment ones. Uh, and then all of them are going to take me having a posture of goodwill, which you live with less craziness. And then, and then thirdly, we're just going to have to show grace. But that's what God showed to us. So, but I think also we said we would touch on a couple of pitfalls that, uh, that happen in each relationship. So Ben, you hit one and I'll hit one. I'll hit the one that, uh, finds its way closer, the closest to me, which is expectations and why, unfortunately, no one can quite live up to my expectations. Uh, something I found along the way is that unmet, unmet expectations can kill relationships. Mm-hmm. They'll do it quickly too. Yeah. And a lot of that is because we can quickly make ourselves the model in which to apply to everybody else. And we all need to hear, you're not the model. Mm-hmm. You aren't perfect. I keep trying to be, and I keep trying to tell myself I am, but the result is that I'm not. Uh, you aren't always on time. You don't always make the best decision. This is mostly what you were just talking about, that you're not always right. Mm-hmm. And that when we make ourselves the model, we start judging our spouse, we judge our friends, we judge whoever it is by the things more likely than not, the things that we're good at, right. the things that we do well. <laughs> of course. Of course, right? If and I'm we, making the scorecard. Yeah, because those are the things that really matter, the things that we happen to be really good at, or at least if I'm just mm-hmm. speaking out of my playbook here. But the other thing is that you're also not the exception mm. is I don't, maybe I, this is just me. I'm sure this is just me, but when I'm make expectations for friends or for my wife or whatever, it's interesting how many expectations that I have that I'm an exception to. Well, you have to do that, but I don't. Right. Right. And unmet expectations kill relationships. So what do we do? And I'll just give these, really quickly is I think for every relationship, communication really is key. I mean, that's an old adage and everyone talks about it all the time. But if we communicate our expectations clearly, it's so helpful. One of the best things that Janessa and I ever learned in early and in premarital counseling was communicate, communicate, communicate. Mm. What are the expectations? What do you want here? Uh, What are you expecting from me? All that kind of stuff. Great. And then uh, two that more or less you just talked about. The second was give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Of all those times where the person doesn't meet the expectation, there probably was a good reason for it. Hmm. And are you willing to give them the benefit of the doubt? And it's fine to ask, but give them the benefit of the doubt. And then if you find out maybe they just dropped the ball, maybe they didn't want to do it, whatever, forgive quickly. Because for most of us, the relationship is far more valuable than the thing that they maybe dropped the ball on. That's hard to remember. Yeah. I have to remind myself of that all the time. Mm -hmm. That my best friend, my spouse... Uh, all these different relationships, they matter more than that little trivial thing more often than not. Mm-hmm. No, you're 100% right. Expectations, I think that's one of the big pitfalls, and I think that's really good that you brought that up. Um, I, I would say a second pitfall is the idea of codependency. When, when someone in the relationship, or, or if you're like, watch out for this because it's a pitfall in your relationship, when you feel like you're unable to say no or unable to assert yourself because you fear losing the relationship. And some people live like this. There's a fear of making waves. There's such a need for connection that uh, they would rather connect even if it means they're not being who they really are. Mm -hmm. In that sense, um, stuffing my personality, stuffing my preferences for the sake of this friendship. 
for the sake of the peace right now. Um, sometimes codependent people are, are seen to be overly peacemakers, conflict avoidant, because they just don't want to make waves. Always giving in, never standing up, not able to say no, because you want to be loved or you fear being left. Yeah. So um, that's a tendency that some people carry in them and other people have no idea about. Um, but an over-relying on a given relationship for your validation as a person. And so you, you don't become the person you are yeah. <laughs> because you're trying to be the person the other per you think the other person wants. Yeah. Like, well, if I don't agree, they're not going to like me. If I don't you know, go with them, I'm going to be left behind. If I don't stand up for myself, I'm going to be standing alone. And that's, you know, the I doesn't matter. The you is paramount. Wow. Yeah. Well, just relationships are just so important. We have to protect uh, them. And sometimes we have to protect ourselves from them, of just being a burden on them, but also having to carry that weight. Because, again, relationships are the rudder of your life. Well, they are. And and when someone is is um, not able to stand up for themselves, it's not a relationship. Yeah. So, so the way to say that is codependent. Yeah. You know, and and it you can make it sound biblical because, well, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and prefer one another's needs to your own, you know, from mm. the New Testament. Well, absolutely, but it's one another. Yeah. It's not you always submit to the other. Mm. It's and it's not you always prefer the other's needs. It's it's if you're in a relationship where there's no mutuality, um, that may be codependency. Mm. That may be codependency. Part of every Good friendship, good marriage, good working relationship, good team is this. Iron sharpens iron. Mm. And we contend with each other and we grow because of it. You almost never grow from words of affirmation. You always grow from those hard conversations. Yeah. You know, and, and your friend needs you to have that hard conversation with them once in a while. Yeah. They don't need you always only to agree with them. But the people pleaser who always subsumes their own wishes, their own opinions, their own judgments, their own desires, mm. um, that's a big deal. People pleaser, peacemaker, easygoing, that can become or mask codependence. And so all we're saying here is just watch for that. Yeah. You're allowed to be who God made you to be. Mm. That's a pitfall is yeah. a relationship. And, and honestly, nobody wants to be in a relationship that's codependent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, possibly a, a mean, power-hungry person does, but most people don't. Yeah. You know. I mean, there's a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> Codependence and uh, expectations. Yeah. So helpful and so just important as we kind of navigate one of these uh, major rudders of our life. Uh, just as we end, like, what do we, the question then I think is, what do we do with this? And yeah. so yeah. as I was thinking about that, I quickly thought of uh, some of my time in church planning, working with church planners that were in uh, the schemes of Scotland. So these are the, the outer housing projects of the city of Edinburgh in Scotland. And so what this uh, community found, this church found in, in their community was that the young men there were facing uh, some severe problems, usually around gangs, violence, or drugs. And so what many mm. leaders found was that these mm. young men would often have little supervision and would quickly surround themselves with the friends and even family who were addicts or in gangs. And guess what? The young man would often follow suit. Mm. Perfectly in line with what we'd already talked about with Solomon and Paul's words, these young men would fall into the wrong groups and go down the wrong path. Why? Because relationships are the rudder of their life. Mm. Okay. 
So what this church started doing was helping giving them tools to kind of navigate and take an audit of their relationships. And I think this is something that we all need to be doing on a regular basis to take a relationship audit with so many poor influences in their community and the desire for uh, friends being so high. The churches didn't want to discourage community, but they wanted to encourage good relationships by teaching how to distinguish good from bad. We need this tool. And they did this relationship audit by asking three questions. The first was, what do I want or where do I want to go? So that's your direction. Hmm. What is it that you're wanting? What do you, where do you want to go? The second is, where is this person going? It's their direction. Hmm. And why this is helpful is if your direction is vastly different than theirs and relationships really are the right of your life, then their direction probably is going to influence yours. And then the third was, do I want to go there too? That's good. There's that conviction and that personal accountability that we just all need the, the reminder that relationships influence where our life is going, where our other relationships are, the health of those, often our jobs, finances, so many other things because relationships are the road of your life. Mm. Do we know where our relationships are taking us? Do we know where the bottom line is on our relationships? We need to be asking these questions. Where do I want or where do I want to go? Where is this person going? Do I want to go there too? Mm. That's great. That is really good. And good on that church, thinking of that in their community, you know, helping young men think, where do I want to go? Where are they going? And do I want to go there? That's what we need to be about, too. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Rudder of our life, walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. Uh, Companion of fools suffers harm. I mean, Proverbs is true. Intimacy, commitment, uh, effort, goodwill, grace. I mean, all these things as we're thinking of our own relationships this year, I pray that for you and me, Ben, and for all of us listening, it will be a year where God elevates our relationships, where he brings us into uh, better and more godly ones for the sake of our own growth, but also for the sake of the lost and for the mm-hmm. sake of the kingdom growth. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.